Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, Len. Thank you. All right. So if I got my, oh, there we go. That mic's on now. So, well, thank you for um, letting me be here, Len, I, and, and, and church. It's, uh, it is a real privilege. I think one of the greatest joys I've had over the last 10 years in working in this youth mentoring field is um, getting into a number of different churches and just seeing how God is working through the different denominations and the different bodies throughout our Tri-Cities and even the joy I got to spend for a couple of years working around the country and helping mentoring programs get started. I got to, to visit churches that just, you know, there's just a different flavor in each building. But there's the same passion for Jesus and the same passion to follow Christ and to know him. And it's just cool. It is really, um, truly, I, I, it's the greatest blessing I've had in being a part of ministry. And I think that uh, as God calls us, we, we sometimes, you know, doubt or wonder what he wants us to do or what's going to be accomplished in ministry. But um, there's just a whole lot of things that as we go along the way, we, we find out, wow, that was amazing. What a great joy I got to be a part of that or got to do this. Um, so anyway, well, hey, so uh, yeah, we're going we're gonna to dig into um, looking at, uh, let's see if I can get, the, get this baby working here. Oh, is it, wait, it was already going there. I didn't know. I'm looking behind me thinking it's supposed to pop up there. All right, there we go. Yeah, awesome. So, so we're going to look at this uh, chapter in, in Growing Young of really, you know, being the best neighbors we can. And so we're going to talk about that in a whole different kind of different ways. And so if you've read the book or you haven't read the chapter of the book yet, don't worry, because what I'm doing is just a weird thing. You're going to go, wow, he, he went some different, different directions on that a little bit. But it all focuses around what's being said in this chapter. And of course, this chapter is, and this book is really, you know, what God's telling us in, in through these different authors and that. But I want to start our time off this way here. So we're going to have a little fun to begin with. Uh, how many of you are fans of, you know, good alien movies or shows, right? Anything extraterrestrial, you know? Um, so, you know, some of the, late, the newer movies that I love is, you know, pa- or not pa- Passengers, that's not even one of them. Um, Arrival, you know, Arrival's kind of a cool one there, pretty creepy, kind of weird. Um, one of my favorite, though, all time when you talk about, like, aliens is uh, Signs with Mel Gibson. If you haven't seen that one, oh, man, that's got some really good, like, creepy, kind of scary, but not like a scary horror movie, but like, you know, you jump once or twice in the movie, um, Dark Skies, there's a whole bunch of stuff out there, and of course, there's all kinds of weird TV shows that are on there, too, but I don't have, do you, any of you ever watch, you know, in the past, watch the old Twilight Zones, okay, there was a great episode, there's a whole bunch of them, but there was a great one that, one of my favorites, um, was, it was titled, How to Serve Men, I don't know if you remember that one, okay? So it's great, right? Because it's this, you know, this alien ship lands, and I'm trying to remember all of how it goes, but this alien ship comes, this really tall alien guy comes out, and anyway, they get him in the UN, uh, you know, in front of the UN and speaks and stuff, and he's carrying around this book with him the whole time and ends up leaving the book there and, and walks away. Well, so they're like, oh, man, we got this. You know, we can find out what this guy is all about, why they're here. You know, why are these aliens coming to Earth? And, and let's try to decipher their book because it's written in this strange language, and they're working on it, working on it, working on it. Of course, towards the end of the episode, they realize, oh, the title, you know, it's, it's the title of the book. We, get, we got that deciphered. It's How to Serve Men. And so everyone at first is thinking, great. Of course, at the end of the episode, you realize it's a cookbook, right? So it's uh, How to Serve Men Best, right? Yeah, awesome. Um, what a great episode. You know, a classic Twilight Zone. Just good stuff. So for you young people, if you haven't seen those, you've got to go check out the Twilight Zones. There's some really crazy, spooky thinking there, you know. There's weird thinkers then, just like there are weird thinkers today, okay? So anyway, so we're going we're gonna to look a little bit at this whole thing of, okay, why are you here? Just like these aliens, the whole question was, why are you on planet Earth? And the, pat, or the you know, that movie, um, 
the you know, arrival. It's all, what are, they, what are they saying? What are they trying to tell us? And all this stuff, whatever. Why are you here? Why are you here today? Why are you in this room today? Why are you uh, in the family you're in? Why are you in the job you're in? Uh, why are you in the city you live in? Why are you here on earth? I mean, isn't it interesting to think through all that stuff and go, why has God chosen to place me here right now in this generation, in this part of history, etc.? And then that ultimate question, like everyone, you know, I think it's, we sometimes may forget that everyone, I think, is, is fooling around in the mind going, why do I exist, right? Why am I even on planet earth and what am I here for? It's interesting, as Christians, I think that we recognize that God has laid out a few things for us to help us understand, okay, you know, yeah, we know from Scripture why we're here, for the most part. We don't know all the details, but that's the fun part of life, is that we know the main stuff, and so we just, we just follow and let God direct us. We know that we're here to know God, ultimately. We, we need to know who God is, and as it says there in John 17, 3, now this is eternal life. You know, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. It's about knowing Jesus. That's the purpose, number one. That's why we're here. From further, furthering that, this is my life verse really here, John 10, 10. I just, you know, I always encourage people, find a verse that just is something that you always love to share and come back to. When times get tough, you remember that verse and you read it to your head. When times are good, you bring that verse back up again. When you're helping other people, share what, what verse means a lot to you. But this one, to me, I love it. You know, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I see tons of that happen in our world today. We all do. But, you know, I have come that they may have life and have it to the fullest. Have it to the full. Have it abundantly. Guys, I'm telling you, living in ministry, to me, is the ultimate. And I always look at it, it's kind of like I'm not a surfer, and I've tried it once, and I was terrible, so I won't do it again. But, you know, it's always to me, it's like I think of surfing, you're on this, you know, you're on this wave and at any moment it's going to crash and you may crash with it or whatever. I mean, it's just, you don't know exactly where it's going to take you, but it's exciting. It's exhilarating. And to me, guys, I just, I hope that through our, through our time here today, it's ultimately I'm encouraging you to step out in whatever way that may be, a little or big step, to enjoy the ministry and let God take you somewhere to a life that you could never have imagined. Our world's constantly looking for the next greatest thrill. But man, it's every time it ends in emptiness until you find Jesus and until you step out following Jesus. So God wants us to know him. He wants us to then live, <clears throat> excuse me, live that life abundantly for him and with him. And then he wants us to share him. You know, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, about going to the world, right? All authority has been given to us. All authority has been given to us to go into the world and proclaim Jesus. You know, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always. Man, what a beautiful passage. That's why we're here, right? To know him, to live with him and for him, and then to tell people about how good this life is. And that comes in a couple different ways. I'm not a fan of an in-your-face I'm going to preach Jesus to you. And believe me, I've had that done to me. Um, it was interesting. One of these times that I had it done to me, I was at the skate park in Richland. And I tell you, God has done a whole bunch of weird, crazy, awesome things in my life through the skate park. But one of them was even meeting a guy who just felt like I needed to know Jesus because, of course, I didn't as a pastor, I guess. And he started saying something to me like, dude, I'm a pastor at this church. I know exactly what you're, where you come from. I believe in this Jesus. 
and he continued as though I didn't even know Jesus and guilting me and telling me these things. I wanted to punch him probably, practically, you know. And I'm thinking, I'm a Christian. What is that non-Christian going to think of that guy in your face? That's sad. I don't think God wants us to go and make disciples that way and to preach this gospel, right? I think he wants us to build relationships and get involved in our community in all kinds of ways so that his presence is seen in us and felt in our presence uh, with them. And so they got to go, why in the world is that person so different than everyone else I've met? But God wants us going. God wants us living that. You know, what keeps us, though, from it? So jumping right into this right away, I'm kind of... Um, it's interesting because I've been away from, you know, I haven't been in the uh, pastor and church for nine years, and so I feel like every time I get through a sermon, I'm going, man, I hope I don't just totally butcher this because I'm not used to doing this that much. I don't do it very often. But, you know, what keeps us from doing then that stuff? I mean, we, we know that's why we're here on earth. Why don't we do it? There's a lot of reasons, guys, and I think that, you know, we need to just own up to it, but also know that, hey, we're not alone. All these things on screen here, distraction, pride, fear, and feelings of inadequacy, those are huge. You know, the, the distraction stuff is this. I mean, how much TV do we watch, right, that we could go out and do something else? How much time do we spend on our latest toys that we don't need to? And that's all ages, guys. All this stuff is all of us, no matter whether we're 5 or 105, you know. Um, it was interesting. I heard a speaker talking about this aspect, and he said, you know, he thought, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a really good Christian. You know, I do a lot of stuff, and I'm all awesome. And, and then, of course, he's preaching at people that they need to get involved and stop being lazy and all this stuff. Um, and then the funny thing was, is, you know, then I stepped back and realized I just spent, you know, like five or six hours researching, you know, the best scope for my rifle, you know. And it was like I loved hearing that because I realized, you know what, yeah, I sometimes think I'm all good. And then I realized there's some things that don't need the priority. Not that it's evil, not that it's some horrible thing, but maybe there's a number of those things that we need to just kind of say, yeah, okay, that's not priority. When I get to the end of my life, and I'll look back and I'll go, did researching that latest toy, whatever it was, was that the best use of my time? Was watching Twilight Zone episodes the best use of my time? I don't know, you know, right? I mean, we can, we can look at those things. And I think it's a matter of, God, what is it in me that, that needs, that I'm participating in? I just need to step away from a bit. I'm a big sports fan. Uh, you know, I was a Supersonics fan for all those people you know, the Supersonics of Seattle. Yeah, maybe someday they'll come back. Um, but I remember, the, I think it was the 1994 season, and for some reason, man, I was really, really into them. And I, like, was clipping newspaper articles because, you know, you didn't have the Internet back then. I did all this stuff. I was just really, really into them. And then what happens at the end of that season, I don't know if any of you remember that, they failed miserably by losing. They were the number one seed, and they lost to the eight seed, you know, at home. It was just devastating. And it was like, <laughs> I kind of just remember going, I just wasted about nine months of my life, you know, or <laughs> whatever. And uh, it's funny, though, sometimes it's nice when God slaps you side of the head and say, man, I've been telling you, but finally I had to do it the hardest way for you and your team lost. No, but anyway, so what is it that distracts us? Sometimes they're the good things that need to be set aside for the best things too, right? Sometimes we need to see that. The pride that says I'm fine on my own and I'm, I'll do what I want to do and I don't like the people that God's maybe calling me to, etc. There's all aspects of pride. And what's interesting, when we talk about the generations coming together, I think it's the number one problem. And I've been kind of seeing, you know, reading through some stuff. You guys, you know, we're going through this Growing Young book here. There's another book called Grow to, Growing Together. Really cool. And then part of the video series that they have for that, it really challenges all of us to say, what pride is getting in our way from connecting with someone different than us, especially in younger generations? 
You know, because you can go into all that stuff, you know, as, as older people. This is great, you know, because sometimes you young people, you ever feel like you're, you know, get ripped on for your clothing styles or some of the things you're interested in, right? I mean, we, what are you, what are you so upset about me? Because the funny thing is, I talked to my dad one day, and uh, he's a little bit older than me, of course, you know, and uh, so he had some different styles. And we started talking about some stuff in his high school years, and you know what was comical in all this? Because, you know, a few years ago, right, the whole big deal was guys, we'd wear our pants down real low, and the boxers were showing about six inches or something like that, right? And I heard all kinds of adults getting mad at that. Well, I found out that when my dad was in high school, the trend back then was wear your pants down low, but not seeing any underwear. Well, hold on a minute, which is worse now, you know? And he did all kinds of other things like drag racing and stuff like that that would be like you'd be arrested for today, you know. So sometimes we need to like step back and get a look at what we're mad about and go, well, hold on. Okay, maybe we did some of those same things. You know, that's for stress adults. And then for you young guys, you know, give us a little patience, okay. We're old. We just do the same thing again and again and we just like to talk and tell you what to do. I mean, sorry, we're trying to work through that. So you got to be patient with us a bit, all right. Uh, but I do hope that we as adults recognize that stuff. And the thing I hear from young people all the time is I just wish I could say something and let them just hear me, and that's it. They don't start going into lecture mode. And I'm guilty of it, guys. I mean, I do it all the time, too, so I recognize the challenges there. But the last one there is, I think, just is really, really, really important for us to understand. Guys, we are all going to fail in life. We are all imperfect. We are all, you know, fall short of being the best at whatever ministry God might call you to. That's just it. But God's saying, guess what? I make up for that. Let me be your strength. Let me be your wisdom. Let me step in and be there for you. When you are weak, I will be strong. You will be strong because you have me. This is, a, this is an interesting one, because for me personally, I've gone through some stuff in my adult life where I failed miserably and hurt some people miserably. And through the healing process of that failure, man, I'm telling you, I, mean, I got to a point in that that I am such a horrible person. And I remember try, and trying to you know, get myself back right with God and, and, and getting everything you know, back to where it should be in my relationship with him, I'm reading through one of the Psalms, and it talks about the enemies of God. And it lays out, you know, the enemies of God do these, 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 these. And I sat there going, I'm in that list. I must be an enemy of God. Who am I to even exist on this earth? And, and just, man, I'm telling you, that was the darkest I've ever been in. Fortunately, you know, I had enough people around me that kept reminding me that, no, you need to understand God's grace. God's grace says, yes, you're inadequate and you failed those different ways, but you are not a failure. You failed, but you're not a failure. I see way too many people, and guys, men, men, I especially throw this out to you. When I ask for volunteers all the time in our mentoring program, you know, I'm saying, hey, can you just give me an hour a week? This kid is desperately wanting to hang out with a man. I get a lot of men going, eh, I don't know. I mean, I could go speak to a thousand men and probably have, you know, maybe 20 of them sign up to be a mentor. Well, why is that? Because all I'm looking for you to do is do what you love doing with a kid. But I know there's a lot of inadequacies that men feel, maybe I think a little bit more than women. I could be wrong, but I, I just have heard a lot, of, a lot of men that I've talked with. Well, you know, I messed up at that point in life. I wasn't the best Christian then. 
I don't know God as well as I should know God now. I'm not the best husband. I'm not the best father. Um, I don't know enough scripture. On and on and on. We throw these things out of how we are not good enough. And God's just saying, man, if I've called you, then you're good enough. And according to that scripture we saw in Matthew 28, all of us have been called. So all of us are good enough. I'm serious, guys. I'm really serious. I mean, it just brings tears to my eyes. And literally, I'm about to cry because it's like, that's not me saying, oh, I need more volunteers, so shame on you. I'm saying, you're missing out on living this full, abundant life if we give in to that. So don't let this guilt and shame sit there. Let God be the victor. Don't let Satan be the winner. Satan's the winner if you don't step into it because you feel guilty. And then the funny thing I learned about shame is that actually it's a prideful thing. I'm too good. I'm too, too good to accept God's grace. I, that was a tough one. I never thought, heard that, never thought of that before, realizing that I need to be able to accept his grace. Anyway, we could go on and on about that one. But I just want to encourage you that there's, there's these things to just keep us away from doing what God wants us to do and enjoy the life that he wants us to live. But what he wants us to do is going then to the world is he wants us to go to our neighbors, right? This is what this chapter is about. It's like, how do we be that best neighbor? Who are our neighbors? It's everyone around us. It's, it's the people even in our family. It's the people in our family. It's the people in our literal neighborhoods down the streets on both sides. And what's funny, we look at that scripture, and it's, I look at that scripture now way different than I did 20 years ago. Because 20 years ago, you had more interaction with your neighbors. Today, you drive it, you know, you hit the button on your, on your car or whatever, and uh, the door goes up, and you pull the car in the garage, you shut the door, and you walk in the house. We don't even see our neighbors half the time. So our neighbors are our neighbors. But the neighbors are the people around our churches here. And you know that. And guys, I'm telling you, I have bragged about your church a lot of places uh, because I just really think that you guys have been doing some phenomenal work to, to, to show the love of Jesus in all kinds of ways in our community here and with Jason Lee and other places. So good job on that. But how do we keep going? And how do we keep growing that? And how do we do even more? So it's just a matter of us then to say, you know, we've got to look at this. Jeremiah 29, we know it a lot of times because of the plans, the, the, you know, God, the, the last verse there and the later verse in the chapter where it talks about I, I have these plans to prosper you. And so we, we usually share that verse. But I came across this one um, a number of years ago, and it just really stuck in, in my head and my heart saying, okay, God really wants me to, to understand that I need to love this city that I'm a part of. And I need to seek their prosperity. I need to do everything I can to help build them up, and I need to be praying for them. And as, and as I do that, God will bring, raise us up as the followers of Jesus. So I love that verse when it talks about going, then, is to say, you know, go to that city. Seek their prosperity. And then out of Psalm 68, here's a powerful verse that we use all the time in our mentoring program just to help people understand you know, God wants us to care for and defend those orphans and widows. And who are orphans and widows? When you think about it, just the general definition of that, it's kind of the forgotten and pushed aside ones, right? And the widows of today are not just those who've lost their husband and are older in life, but are even some of single mothers, even some single fathers who have, you know, who are trying to raise their kids on their own. The orphans aren't just the ones who live in an orphanage, but are the kids all around our community who have no one to talk to, who feel alone? And if you do any research on youth and understand where this culture is today of our young people, many of them, if not all of them, feel some level of abandonment 
That's the word, exact word that these kids have used. Abandonment, left alone, no one's there to help them. The reason I got pushed by God into mentoring, how it happened was through the Richland Skate Park. And being in the literal backyard of the church there at Central Church where I served, and seeing any given day 100 kids and zero adults. That is their world. And guys, I would bet you that all the young people in this church here too do not have half the adults that you or I as, as older adults had growing up. Think about all the differences that there are. I mean, I grew up in a home that had two parents. So a lot of kids today, I mean, half, the, you know, half marriages end in divorce. Uh, the statistics that for here in the, in the Richland, I think, is that 43% or 42 or 43% of children are born to unwed mothers. So right away, four out of 10 kids do not probably have that second adult there present. Um, so those things have changed. The, the, certainly when you think about a divorce, think about the potential for that divorce to cause the kid not to just now have only one parent present in their life most of the time, but he or she may lose that whole half of the family, grandparents, aunts, uncles, etc. I grew up in a town where I had both my grandparents, sets of grandparents there. I had all kinds of aunts and uncles there. We saw each other all the time. I, the neighborhoods were different. I knew all kinds of adults in my neighborhood. My parents had friends. I knew all of them. I went to a small church, about 100 people. I can name for you 10 men who just regularly would tease me, um, would say things to me, ask questions. I knew all cared for me. That's my world. That was what I grew up with, as well as teachers who were involved and coaches who were involved personally. Now think of today. All these challenges with the family situations, the mobility. How many people live in the same town as their aunts, uncles, and grandparents? Very few. Tri-Cities especially, I think we see that. Um, all these things have changed. It looks so different. So even the kids in our church, we think, oh, they're doing great. They're fine. You know, they're here at church. Do they have adults that they feel safe they can connect to? Have you gone out of your way to intentionally say, hey, how you doing? How's your, how's your week been? And ask questions. And I know for young people, like I, I was talking to the three little girls sitting right behind me. There you go. Thanks for looking at me. Awesome. And they're like going, what the heck is this guy talking to us for? You know, right? Because they're not used to us maybe just out of the blue saying, hey, how's it going? I do that. I have no problem being weird, okay? I have no problem people thinking I'm a strange guy. So I talk to young people all the time, how you doing? And they're like, whoa. I kind of like them to know, though, that adults do care. When they feel abandoned, that they know there's not that many. Anyway, so it's kind of interesting to see about what he's calling us to here. Um, so what does this, you know, look like? And I, look, I love to look at it, Jesus, and, and obviously, let's just follow his example all the time. Let's, that's, that's the way to live life. What did he do? How did he think, etc.? I love this story in John chapter 4, and I don't know if you remember the story of the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman there who, who comes when Jesus is, is sitting there. I just, I love this story <laughs> because of how Jesus treats her and the things he says to her. And what happens is unreal. You know, sir, give me this water so that, you know, because Jesus talk, starts talking to her about, well, I got some water that you don't need to come to this well anymore for. And, you know, just throwing her mind into some crazy places. And he's trying to show her that there's more to life than just physical. There's this spiritual realm, and I can bring you a hope that never ends. So she's saying, yeah, the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't go thirsty and have to keep coming um, here to draw water. He told her, this is where it gets really good, right? This is where it's awesome. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. So look how Jesus treated that. This is just so cool to me. Maybe I'm just weird and I think it's cooler than everyone else does. But he says, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've, you've had five husbands and the man you're with now is not your husband. And so what you said is quite true. <laughs> I'm just, I just love it because he's like, 
He didn't trash her, you know? He didn't say, you're, you're so messed up. You got so many problems, you know? He's like, yeah, that's right. That's cool. Hey, I know you're not with that, you know? Man, I'm telling you, it's so fun to talk to, to young people and know what's really going on in their world. And I think that when, like, sometimes I'll say, you know, okay, this is what I learned when I had kids at the youth center was um, if, if they tended to have a Visine bottle in their pocket, they're doing drugs, okay? They're, they're doing some stuff, and so they need to take care of the red eye. And so they always got this Visine because not many people usually have just a Visine, you know, right there ready to go. So someone told me that. I learned it. So it was really kind of fun to say, you know, hey, I noticed what's going on. Dude, you, come on. What are you doing drugs for? And to call him out in a loving way, and those kids, like, had so much respect that I was actually not stupid, okay? They, they respected that I knew what was going on, but I still loved them and didn't, you know, how, how horrible. You are such a loser for doing drugs. I just said, come on, man, let's, let me help you. How can I help you stop doing that? It, it changed things, you know, and so I think this woman, you know, imagine what that must have been like. Wow, this guy knew everything about me, yet he didn't condemn me. He loved me. That is how we're supposed to go to our neighbors. We're supposed to go knowing, I come with Jesus' love, not condemnation. That's between them and God. And, and, I mean, I want to hope to help them see Jesus and come to Jesus so they will turn away from those things because realizing why they need to and why it's destructive for their lives. But I just got to love them. I got to get in their world and, and show them that they're worthy of his love, just like I am as a failure, too. So we go, and, you know, these are just some of the things you'll see within the book there where it talks about, you know, go and observe what's going on. How do we really impact our neighbors then and show this love? It's, it's really understanding what's going on around. Don't go in with these preconceived notions. For mentors, one of the things we do is train them, you are coming in with a bias because every one of us comes into any situation with biases. Do we own up to that? and say, well, yeah, that's the way I did it for the last 60 years or last 40 years or whatever, but maybe that's not the, the only way to do it, you know, things like that. And so, so it's setting aside those biases just to truly observe what is going on in the world of the people we're trying to help. Ask the questions and listen well to really go deeper. That's fun. I was mentioning to, to um, Fred here at the Two nights ago, we, I, I've been leading a group that uh, we, we call it Connecting Generations. It's a small group at our church. And it was really just to try to get all of us a generation to start to understand each other a little differently. And so two nights ago, we went and spent some time hanging out with the young, with the young adults group. And man, it was great. And we asked questions of these younger guys and gals and just said, What's, what do you think? And, you know, and what about this? And what frustrates you about older people? And stuff like that. And we had a ball. In fact, we were supposed to just go for an hour. We went for like an hour, 40 minutes. And finally, said, okay, we've got to stop. Afterwards, one of these young guys comes to Todd. That was the best Bible study I have ever been in. And I was like sure that this was going to be something kind of not so good because every time I'm with adults, it seems like we get condemned and we get in arguments and stuff like that. This was amazing. There's opportunities for us to listen and to, to love and, and to just get to know what's going on there. And that's really about discovering them. And, and this quote here on the bottom is so good. You know, this lady is saying, come to us and say, help me understand. If we want to help people, we need to understand them. And the best way to do that is start asking questions. I'm going to jump ahead here because I'm just going to go way long otherwise. I'm going to skip a couple of these things here. So, you know, this is kind of just the cool things about what happens when we do step out in faith. You know, we get stretched, we grow, we enjoy life. We get to really demonstrate the, the love. And don't forget that 
that's the best thing that we can present because our world is not very loving right now. I saw this great, uh, you know, Facebook. I follow a thing called Babylon B on Facebook. You got to check it out. If it's really hilarious, true sarcasm. But this, the sarcastic little note, it, you know, a fake news story was the Bloods and Crips come together to give a joint statement to the to the Congress to say we need more civility. <laughs> you know, the most violent groups in America have said politics. You need to calm down. You guys are getting out of control. <laughs> We're filled with a lot of hate. The love of Jesus will look so bizarre to people because they are not experiencing it. They'll, what in the world is this? Anyway, there's ways we get stretched. I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to jump ahead here. I guess the last thing I, I want to really throw out is when we look at this aspect of, of the story of the woman at the well, the result is the result we're looking for. The result of Jesus spending time with her and treating her with love and helping her with her needs, she could not help but go back to all her friends and say, you will not believe the person I met today. This guy knew everything about me, didn't judge me, he loved me, and man, this guy really had some interesting wisdom that like, rocked my world. I, I'm for this guy. This guy is amazing. He's, I'm going to start following him. And so what happens, you know, in the scriptures we see, you know, she's saying that she told me everything I did. They said to the woman, we no longer, you know, later on in the scriptures, we no longer believe because of what you said to us, because a number of them came to believe Jesus after her testimony to them. She said, now we have heard for ourselves, because they came to Jesus. They came rushing to him to hear his words, and they just met Jesus and said, man, so now we believe this, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. That's what we're here for. Isn't that so cool to think about? As you go out and serve your community and your neighborhoods in whatever ministry that God is calling you to, and maybe there's something God's been laying on your heart that's not happening yet, that he's saying, you gotta do this, you gotta do this. Step out, ask someone for help. Hey, I wanna do this. What do you think it takes to, to make this happen? Could you help me? Could you tell me, show me someone that could help me do this? But go out there and as you do that ministry and you love those people in the, in the, the love of Jesus, they're going to go, something's crazy. And when they start to research that Jesus for themselves, they won't be able to deny, this, this is a Savior. This is where I need to be. This is what my life is all about. This is why I'm here on earth. That's the cool thing. So our mentoring program just at Forge Youth Mentoring, the purpose for us is to say we want to connect the generations to restore hope in our communities because there's a lot of hurt and a lot of fear by our older generations about what the future holds and from our younger generations about how am I supposed to survive in this world. You understand that like for a college-age student, the stress that they are going through today, and I heard this a couple nights ago that just really reminded me, the stress they're going through is how do, how do I find a job that's going to take care of me financially if I have to go to college and pay 150000 bucks that I don't have because I can't make it at McDonald's or wherever, they're, they're trying to figure out, everyone's telling me i got to go to college, but that's too hard to do. Maybe it's expensive. Um, they don't get to work over the summers and earn the money to go to college next year like I did. I, I earned 1500 bucks maybe over the summers when I went to college, and that was enough to kind of get me through. That's not enough to get these guys through. You know, all these stresses these guys are going through, it's like, man, we need to... We need to know that so we can help and encourage them through the anxiety of being a young person today. It's a tough world to live in. But we're just trying to help then restore that hope 
and help the younger people and all younger generations understand that God-given potential. What is God calling you to? Career-wise, family-wise, whatever. Even hobbies and joys of doing things. What, what is God calling you to do in ministry? And so what we do is we just try to empower you guys as the local churches. We want to inspire and encourage you adults to step up, but also equip you to how to properly engage young people. Because some of you may not know how to engage young people. You know, it's a little weird. You haven't done it in a while. Or you're not a young person, so you don't know how to talk to them. That's right. We've got to help you through some of those things there. But guess what? The, the young people, they're going to be patient with you. You know, if you come up and call them, you know, say some words that are from 1950, they may not get it, but they'll appreciate that you're trying. Um, so that's what we're being about. Um, let me just put this last scripture up here just as a way we're going to, I want to just close in prayer and uh, then I'm going to show you a video just to, it's, it's about Forge Youth Mentoring and it just kind of talks about again when we are good neighbors there's all kinds of joys that come about not only to the people that are being served but to us and, and God's name is being proclaimed and there's just great joy in that but this, this verse is just so beautiful to me and I came across it again in my devotions the other day and I just remembered you know this so, people are looking for help and when that help comes, man, it's encouraging, it's inspiring. We get to be that hope because we simply come with Jesus and he is the hope that we're looking for. Let's pray. God, I thank you for, I thank you for loving us so much that you've asked us to be a part of your master plan, that you've asked us to be a part of helping people discover their purpose for existence. And in doing that, we get to discover our purpose at a deeper level which will only cause us to praise you even more because you are just amazing. You, you give us stuff that we can never imagine. You give us skills to, to do things that we feel inadequate to do, but then when we step out, it's, it's amazing to see the results. Lord, I pray for each of us here today, no matter whether it's the 9-year-old or the 99-year-old. You've got us still here on this earth for a reason. What is it? Show us today. Help us to be bold and step out and do it and know that you will be praised in the long run. May we be these feet that bring good news to a world that's hurting. Bless us, Father. Use us and guide us. In your name we pray. Amen.